Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. I want to talk to you about those very words this morning because He lives. If you go into history, if you go and investigate history, one of the things that no scholar will argue anymore, and whether Christian or not, is the historical person of Jesus. Uh, scholars don't argue that there was actually a man named Jesus that walked uh, 2,000 years ago uh, throughout the Middle East. The, the, the historical reality of Jesus is now just accepted as a historical fact and reality. The thing that we need to get our head around is the claim of today. One, we need to ask the question of, is Jesus who he claimed to be? Because he didn't just claim to be a good fella. He actually claimed to be God himself clothed in flesh and blood. That's a big thing to wrap your head around. But the second thing we need to wrestle with is what happened on Resurrection Sunday. Because the Bible doesn't just tell us the story of a man named Jesus. The Bible tells us a story of a man named Jesus who is reported to have walked free from the clutches of death. He wasn't just beaten close to death and revived. He was dead, buried, and now alive. And I'd love, uh, I'd love unpacking the historical narrative of the resurrection. I've done that a few times. I looked into it for myself. What does historical records say that actually gives some credit? Is this just a fanciful story that millions of Christians across the globe for thousands of years have believed that a man actually walked free from death? Or is there something to this? And I want to encourage you, if you're searching faith, to go and explore the historical reasons that suggest that this event, this first Easter Sunday, where there was an empty tomb, there's some great pointers in history to suggest that this isn't just a fanciful story, that maybe there's some truth to it. I encourage you, part of the Alpha course, and if you've done Alpha with us before, where uh, we've got a new and updated material that is being produced that we're using for Alpha this year, it's called the Alpha Film Series. And one of the things they do is they look at the historical pointers to the resurrection. But we're not gonna do that today. But we all need to ask the question of, is the claim of Easter Sunday true? Because if he is alive, everything changes. Everything changes. The Good Friday message is a hard one to give without the Easter Sunday message because Good Friday without Easter Sunday doesn't mean a whole lot. Now you might go, oh, the cross. But here's the thing, right? If Jesus doesn't walk free from the clutches of death, Jesus is just another guy that died with the hundreds of others on a Roman cross. And his story may still be told in history because people would say some of his teaching was revolutionary. He was a great moral teacher. Some of the miracles that were reported around Jesus were incredible. But if Good Friday happens and Jesus is nailed to a cross and his body's put in a tomb and that's the end of the story, well, we don't really have a great story to tell. But you see, Good Friday now makes sense and takes on its power and its meaning because he lives. Because now we look at the cross and say, what happened there? Because the guy that died on that cross is now walking the streets. You see, because he lives, the message of the cross finds its completion. If the resurrection doesn't happen, it just becomes another of the multitude of Roman executions. If the resurrection doesn't happen, Jesus might be known just as a good 
teacher. If the resurrection doesn't happen, the church isn't born and we're not here today. It's just the reality of the power of this day, why the resurrection matters and why it changes everything. I just wanna say a few things today about this idea of because he lives. We, I remember the first time I ever heard that line was an old hymn we used to sing in church. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And I'm expecting some, some of the middle rows to break out in song, looking at my father. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Let me talk about that today. Because he lives, I wanna say this, the power of sin is broken. And we talked on Good Friday how God through history has always given us a way of seeing that the penalty for our sin is taken on by someone else. Simple illustration, if you go and break the law, there is a penalty to be paid and you have to own that and often it's a fine or some money or some community service or you know the bigger crimes, you might do some time in prison. You know, if you commit a crime, something has to be paid to make restitution for what you've done. And God's always said, you know, your sin actually comes with consequence, but I'm gonna choose to do stuff for you so you don't have to bear the eternal penalty of your sin. But in the cross and in the resurrection, the power of sin is broken. I don't wanna turn what is meant to be the most joyous day on the Christian calendar too bleak and macabre this morning, but I, I wanna address a, a very true reality, and that's this. Every one of us in this room today has a certainty in life, and it's death. And we do a whole bunch of stuff to stop us getting there. Some of us right now feel young and invincible and it's not even on our radar. Others of us are aware of it. We've gone and got some of our affairs in order because we know that it's something that comes for everybody. And here's the truth. It doesn't matter how healthily you eat for the rest of your life. It may prolong your life, but it won't stop it coming to an end. It doesn't matter how much exercise you do. It won't stop the certainty of death. It doesn't matter how much money you've got and how much you can afford great healthcare and great doctors and you know, great living arrangements. It won't stop the certainty that all of us have to face death. You could wear a mask, move to the country, avoid all human life. And guess what? One day, you will still come to a point where you too have to face death. All of those other things, healthy eating, exercise, money, wearing a mask, moving to the country, they might prolong life but they'll never stop it from coming to an end. It's a sobering fact, but it's one that we're all aware of, even though we don't like to think about it a lot. And the Bible tells us something about death. It says death is actually the consequence of sin. The final consequence of our sin, if you go back to the very beginning of Scripture where it tells the creation narrative, in Genesis chapter three, it talks about how sin comes into the story of God's good creation. And one of the curses of sin is that death is part of our story. The writer of the Romans in the New Testament says this in Romans 6, it's a really well-known Bible verse. It says this, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, because of sin, the thing that comes, the penalty of sin, the payment for your sin is death. But that's the power of the Easter story because Jesus not only paid the penalty for sin and for your sin, he broke the power of it. Romans 6 goes on to say this, for the wages of sin is death, but what? Read it with me. The gift of God is eternal life. You see, the Bible tells us that resurrection wasn't just a cool trick that Jesus played. It wasn't like Jesus walked free from the grave and said, see, I've done it. Good news for me. No, no, no. The Bible goes so much 
deeper than that. The Bible tells us that resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus on that very first Easter Sunday was actually good news, not for Jesus, but also for us, because it's actually a picture of what will become your story. And today we sit here and we remember Jesus' resurrection. But let me tell you something. The Bible teaches that for people of faith, resurrection will become part of your story. One day you will walk free from the clutches of death because he lives. If you don't believe me, let's go to the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And here's the good news. That can be your story. That is for a lot of you already your story. But the beauty of Easter Sunday is we get to see it for the first time. It's not just, we don't sit here in Bible study and say the Bible promises good things. One day we will be made alive. God will make us alive. He'll, he'll actually take us through death into brand new life. You know, we're not just building ourselves up on a narrative. We're actually looking at a person that's done it. Something happens when someone is the first to break the mould. 1967. Let me take you to the United States for a minute. And the Boston Marathon, if you've heard of the Boston Marathon, if you're a marathon runner or you're into sport or I'm not, but Google helps me with these things. The Boston Marathon is one of the most famous marathons in the world today, I understand. Anyway, back in 1967, the Boston Marathon had been exclusively a race for men. And one of the reasons that it was a race for men was no one believed that a woman could make the marathon distance. Anyway, there was this lady by the name of Catherine Switzer and she was a great runner and she was training and she said to a coach, I want to run a marathon. And he said, you can't do it. And she said, no, 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 I can do this. And he said, well, I'll tell you something. If you can run the marathon distance in training, I'll take you to the marathon. I'll run step by step with you the whole way. And so she proved him right. And so she enrolled in the marathon. But you see, women weren't allowed to enrol in the Boston Marathon, but it was okay because she just had to put her initials in and they just saw Kay Switzer and they thought, like everyone else that registered, there was just another bloke that was signed up to do the marathon. And so she was assigned a number to put on a bib. Now, it's a big deal. When you get a number on the bib, it means you've been accepted into the race. She turned up to the start line and the story was that it was a cold, bleak day in Boston and so everyone was there in their trackies and their hoodies and their beanies and their gloves. And so no one at the start line, apart from the few people that were with her, believed, identified her as a woman. And then the race started. And you can Google this and you can look it up on YouTube. But as the race progressed, at this particular point in the race, the press truck drove past where Catherine Switzer was with her boyfriend and a coach and a group of others running and they noticed a woman with a numbered bib running the Boston Marathon. And the cameras are going crazy and the video's rolling. And, you know, Catherine's probably thinking, this is a pretty cool moment. But in her own words, she said, in that moment, I heard behind me the sound of leather shoes on pavement. Now, she said, I could tell it was different. This wasn't a runner's sound. And in this moment, and because the press truck was there, they captured this on film. You can watch this very footage. One of the officials of the race had jumped off the press truck 
and had run after Catherine Switzer and had grabbed her shoulders and said to her, you get out of my race, as he tried to throw her off the course. And then, and let this be a lesson to all you young blokes that are trying to court someone here, her boyfriend came in from side of stage and poleaxed the official. I probably over-exaggerated, he just barged him off the course. But the guy got knocked off the course. Catherine Switzer continued to run with her coach and her boyfriend and those around her. And she said she was so overcome with anger in that moment, the way she'd been treated. But she said, I got a few more miles down the road and I decided that you can't finish a marathon if your heart's filled with anger. So I let it go. And I said to myself, I have to finish this race. And guess what? She did. The first woman to ever compete the Boston Marathon. But you know what happened when she completed it? A new narrative was spoken to a whole bunch of others that this is now possible. And Catherine Switzer has gone on to be an advocate for, uh, she was very instrumental in lobbying the International Olympic Committee, getting the marathon into the Olympics for women. And she's run hundreds of marathons all over the world, you know, coordinated hundreds of marathons all over the world for women. Because you know what? She proved that it was possible. And because she was the first that went through, there was a whole generation of others that said, this is not just a good narrative anymore. This is now truth. We can do this. You know what? Because Jesus walked free from the grave It wasn't just a good narrative in the biblical story. It was a new truth that was spoken, saying, I'm not just gonna tell you that one day you can know life. I'm gonna show you what it looks like. And I want you not just to gaze upon my broken body that was pulled off that cross. I want you to gaze into that empty tomb because there's no body there. Because why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And in his resurrection, the power of sin was broken. And Jesus' resurrection shows us that death no longer has the last say for him and now it doesn't have the last say for you. Today, I want you to know that your past is dealt with and your future is given hope because he lives. That's good news. And I could finish there, but I'm not going to because I know all the kids are in and all the parents love it and I preach long when all the kids are in. No. Kids, I'm gonna get you involved in this next little bit because I wanna say this. Because he lives... Not just is the power of sin in your life broken. This isn't just something that God's done for you in your past and something that we look forward to in the future. It's not just a past and a future activity. It's a present activity as well. Because He lives, your present life takes on brand new purpose. Something changes when we believe in resurrection. Now, I've got a little illustration. I'd love to use some kids. How do I do this? I can't pick you because you're my son. Sam, come on, you can help me. Xavier, I'm just picking some kids I know here. Come and stand over here. I met a Bella on the way into church. Bella, Bella? Bella, yes, come join me. Can we give these three a hand? (laughs) Now, just a little hint. Remember today we're celebrating the empty tomb. So a little, do a little, this is good news, Xavier. Don't be worried, mate. I'm giving you chocolate. And you don't have to say anything. You don't have to sing. You don't have to dance. You've just got to finish my sermon. Is that okay? Okay. Who likes crunchy eggs? Ooh. Put your hands out, guys. Yeah, Xavier, do you like, do you like crunchy eggs? Do you reckon mum and dad are going to let you have some? Don't worry. I said you can. Put your hands out, buddy. I'm going to give these to you. These are yours. 
Happy Easter. Five second rules, Xavier. Here you go, bud. Yeah. Who's jealous now that they weren't sitting in the second row? Yeah, Bella, have some eggs. Yeah, have a few more. I'm feeling generous today. Okay. Sam, how many you got? A lot. You want a few more? No, thanks. What? <laughs> how much chocolate did you have for breakfast, buddy? <laughs> None. Okay. Now, I want to play a little game with you, right? Just remember the empty tomb. Just a hint, because I don't want to rip you off today. I have a bucket here. It's hidden. Now, there may or may not be something in this bucket. Okay? May or may not be something in this bucket. But here's the game we're going to play, right? And Xavier, you can go first. You have a choice. You can either choose to have what's in this bucket if there's, if there's something in there. Or you can take all those eggs, they're yours. No one will take them off you. Mum and Dad you're, will tell you, because I said so, that you're allowed to eat them through church. Is that all right, Mum and Dad? No, no, no. You do, do what your parents tell you. Don't ever listen to me. Do what they tell you. I get bad emails when I tell kids to eat too much chocolate in church. Okay, but here's the thing, Xavier. You can, every crunchy egg I just gave you is yours, unless you choose to share what's in the bucket. Now, there's a risk. Because there may not be anything happening today. And let me give you a hint. It's Easter Sunday, the tomb was empty. Okay. <laughs> but you need to hand me your eggs. And then if you hand me your eggs, you get to share what's in the bucket. Right? Or you can keep your eggs and go sit down right now and give you a big cheer. What would you prefer? Do you want to share what's in that? Because if all the others choose the bucket, you've got to share a, a share of something or nothing. But I get all your eggs. What do you want to do? Hold on to your eggs? Or do you want to share what's in the bucket? It's a big, it's a big choice. I'll let you think about that for one second, okay? Do you want, do you want the eggs? It's hard. It is hard. Because you don't know if there's anything in there, do you? And you don't know if I'm just being sneaky on Easter Sunday. Remember the tomb was empty, Xavier. Trying to be helpful here, Sam. Sam, Hello. what would you like to do? I would like to keep my eggs. You would like to keep your eggs. And you didn't take more. Well, can you give Sam a big hand? He's uh, got a good time in the service. You can sit down, buddy. Have you thought about it yet, Xavier? You're dropping your eggs everywhere, mate. I'm going to pick them up for you. Don't drop them. Don't drop them. Do you want to keep your eggs or do you want to share what's in the bucket? Yeah, and keep your eggs. Okay, you can take some more. Yeah. Oh. He's got a good capacity to grab a lot of eggs in one hand. <laughs> Bella, my illustration might be falling down right now. Would you like to keep your eggs or share what's in the bucket? Yeah, come on. Thank you. Who would like some eggs? <laughs> Later. I did say the tomb was empty, didn't I? That was a bit mean of me. <laughs> Bella, they're all yours. You chose wisely. Okay. No, no, I, pr I promised. I promised I'd give you a couple. 
because I actually told Bella what was in the bucket before she came. <laughs> Would we give Bella a huge hand as she takes a seat this morning? Now, Xavier. Yeah, buddy. I was really mean to you by telling you that you can share those with your mum, dad and your sister and take them home, okay? Sam, no eggs for you. (laughs) What you don't know, what you don't know is this. I met Bella as she walked in the door this morning and said, Bella, I need your help. I've got a bucket full of eggs and I'm going to try and convince everybody that's empty bucket by talking about Easter being about the empty tomb. But when it comes to you, you give me your eggs because you want to share what's in the bucket. Thankfully, she trusted me. Well done, Bella. Sam, on the other hand, I got Sam's dad aside before the service and said, make up a story about how you've seen this before and how Andrew's going to fool everybody and that the bucket's empty. Just don't do it like you know what's going to happen. Just go, did he do that at chapel when he came to school? Because this is really sad. And then James walked into prayer where Sam was and said, are you doing that empty bucket thing again? So we made Sam believe there was nothing in the bucket because we're mean. (laughs) Sam, you're a good sport, buddy. Xavier, we had no idea. Uh, We should sing because that's, yeah, no, no. There's a reason for this. And, And kids, I want you to think about this, right? I want you to think about this. There's a reason for this. I want you to hear this. Our future inheritance affects our present behaviour. Let me say it again. Our future inheritance affects our present behaviour. I mean, I like crunchy eggs. And there's a, there was a decent stash that each of these guys were hand, holding in their hand this morning. But Bella knew that she was going to give up something in this moment that was good because she was going to inherit something that was so much better. You see, some of us live our lives like this, right? Some of us live our lives where we just go, we don't know what is to come, so we would rather grab onto whatever we can grab onto now, all the pleasures of life, all the success of life, everything that we can drag out over the next 20, 30, 50 years, whatever you've got left in life, we're gonna grab onto it now because we have no certainty about what is to come. There's others of us that just sit there and like Xavier, we just, we don't know. Look, maybe there's something really cool, but we just don't know and we've heard all these things and man, it, it may be the easier thing and some of us just go, the easier things to hold on to what I got. Others are like, well, oh, I'm just gonna take a little jump and maybe I'll have a foot in both camps and hope it all works out for me. Then there's others that know what the inheritance is and willingly go, take it all. Because what is to come is so much better. Our future inheritance affects our present behaviour. What happens when we really get a hold of the fact that He lives, that the grave is empty, that there is a certainty of life beyond death, of life beyond the grave, that your story is a story of resurrection. It affects how you live life today. If you believe in the resurrection and you take it into your very being, guess what happens? You start to live a more generous life because the inheritance that is to come is gonna be so much better than the little skerricks of joy that you can suck out of this life right now. You start to become more forgiving because you know that it's not worth holding on to those things when what God has got in store is gonna be so much better. You'll be less selfish because you know that you don't need to bring everything into the next 10 or 20 years. Is because what God has got in store is so much better. 
You'll be more fervent in telling others because you really want them to share in the inheritance. You'll grow a bigger heart for the poor. You'll be more willing to serve. You'll go places where others won't go. You'll do things that no one would consider a smart human thing to do. You'll sell houses. You'll give away money. You'll suffer in ways that others won't suffer. Why? Because the inheritance is so much better. And one of the greatest historical markers at the truth of the resurrection is the fact that the Bible tells us that after Jesus died on the cross, His disciples, His closest friends and followers were locked in fear in an upper room. They were locked in fear in a room. They were so scared about what would come next because Jesus, their guy, their main guy, the one that they'd been cheering on, had been nailed to a cross and they saw what happened to Him and surely in their heart they were thinking, well, what happens to us? We need to let this thing go away. We need to stay out of reach of people. We need to hide away. Let's lock the doors. We're not sure what comes next. They were filled with fear and trepidation at what comes next. And then guess what? Jesus walks into the room. And history tells us that a bunch of scared individuals in a room became powerhouses in the sharing of the story of Jesus. History tells us that all the disciples, bar John, who dies on an island in isolation because of his faith. All the others were probably martyred or lost their life because they professed faith in Jesus. And you know why? What changed for them? Not that suddenly all the information connected in their heart, the thing that changed for them was they saw the risen Christ. If you encounter the living Christ, everything changes. Your future inheritance affects your present behaviour. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which I read from before, is a really long passage on the resurrection. It's a great passage to read. Go read it later. It tells you about, it just gives us a glimpse of what it looks like for us. But after this big, big discussion on the resurrection and what it means for Jesus, what it means for us, Paul in the last verse, verse 58 says this, therefore, in other words, I've told you all this stuff about the resurrection. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord and listen to this, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. The things you do for Jesus in the present have echoes that go into all of eternity. The people that you love, the poor that you feed, the kids that you teach, the houses that you build, all the things you do in the name of Jesus and to the glory of Him have echoes into eternity. Not one act in this life will return void because He lives. So let me ask you one last question on this Easter Sunday. Are you in? Will you follow? You get the band to come now. Will you follow? Because he lives, will you follow? Will you follow not a dead saviour or a great ideal or a new ideology or some great teaching or some roadmap for life? Will you follow the living Christ who walked free from the clutches of death and invites you into a life that will one day walk free from the clutches of death and into all eternity? Will you follow Christ into this very moment, into the next step that you take, into your workplace this week, bringing to bear on earth the kingdom of heaven as Jesus did? Will you follow? If you're here today, you've never put your faith in Jesus. There's an invitation, there's a moment, there's a starting point where we say, I'm in. Jesus didn't hold mass rallies where He said, everyone bow their heads. We're gonna pray a prayer now. He he just walked up to people and He said, follow me. 
And some said, oh, actually, I've got too much stuff going on here. I just got to go and do a few things. Can I just go sort out my stuff? And Jesus said, no, 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 I just want to invite you to follow me. To others, He said, follow me. And guess what? They dropped everything and said, whatever you need me to do, Jesus, here I come. And it's the same invitation for us. Will you follow? In just a moment, we're going to pray. Pray. We do this every time we gather. So if you've been here, you've, you've experienced this, but it gives you the chance to say for the first time, I want to follow. Today, the invitation for you, spoken to you, is will you follow? And if you've never said yes before, we would love to give you some words to help you say to Jesus, yep, I'm in. Let's do this. Be the best adventure you ever sign up for. And it's one that walks through death into resurrection. It's a good ending to your story when you choose to follow Jesus. The second thing I want to invite is maybe you are here and you are a person of faith. You've said yes to following Jesus, but you've never actually gone through a, a, the action of baptism. That's not what Romans 6 says. It says, don't you know that all who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into His death? You see, baptism has very strong connection to this Easter weekend. When you're baptised and you get immersed in the water, you're baptised into Christ Jesus and into His death. So therefore we are buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with Him in a death like His, we'll certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Baptism isn't the act of salvation. Getting baptism isn't the thing that makes you right with God, but it is a step of obedience because Jesus said, go and get baptised. It's actually a visible sign to everybody that you're entering into my story, that you're dying to your old self and you're rising into brand new life in me. That's what baptism is. It's a symbolic thing that tells everybody that you've made a decision to follow. So the first step is, will you follow? Yep, well, let's go get baptised. If you've never been baptised, you're a follower of Jesus, the time has come. Baptism isn't about maturity. It's not about having all the answers. It's not about getting it all right. It's just the next step in your Christian journey. When you say, I will follow, then you say, let's find some water. I just decided this morning it'd be really cool on camp if we baptised some people in Christmas Creek. So we're gonna do that on the Sunday of camp. After the morning session, we're gonna work out a time to go and baptise some people. So if you've never been baptised, you're coming on camp, the time is now. I'd love you to grab one of those connect cards you find on your seat. As we finish today, fill it in, hand it to one of our welcomers. Say, I wanna get baptised and we will help you make that happen. Finally, will you follow? Will you follow in obedience into the waters of baptism? And finally, will you just choose to give your life right now? Not holding on to the skerricks of goodness that this world and this life offers, but giving everything for the inheritance that is to come. If you're currently living a life that's all about you, maybe on this Easter Sunday, the invitation and the challenge is that you walk out of this place going, okay, Jesus, help me find a way to start to use my life to bless others. Find my place to serve and to help and to encourage and to bless, whatever that may be. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, for an empty tomb. Everything is different now. Thank you for the invitation of the empty tomb is that the living Christ that walked out of it is the one that now looks at us and invites us to follow wherever you may choose to go. 
church right across this place today, if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, He is speaking to you right in this moment. He's asking you the question, will you follow me? And there's no hoops He's giving you to jump through. There's no expectation that you're going to get everything right tomorrow. He, he wants to change you and transform you, but His invitation is an invitation of love. And He's just speaking to you right now, will you follow if you've never decided to say yes to following Jesus, can I just ask right now, while everyone else is in prayer, would you just raise your hand so I can see it? Because we're going to pray with you in just a moment. Your journey starts today. Good day to start on Easter Sunday. Anyone here for the first time today wants to say yes, I want to follow Jesus. Just raise your hand so I can see it. And we'll pray with you in just a minute. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else here today who wants to join with them? Okay. So church, why don't we all stand? We're gonna pray a prayer. Someone's responded here today. We're all gonna pray. This is your prayer for the very first time today. Won't you pray this with me? Jesus just says, will you follow? And here's our chance to respond. Let's pray it out loud together. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I turn from everything that I know is wrong and I choose to follow You. Thank You that You died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. Thank You that You offer me forgiveness and promise me new life. Please come into my life so I can know Your power and grace forever. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. That's good news. It's good news on Easter Sunday. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.